very, very special guest today. Oh, man, I'm so excited to talk to a great friend and also, what, actually two great friends about boxing, acting, training, all that kind of great stuff. And stay tuned. Kevin, let's hit it. What's good, homie? How we doing? I'm uh, doing pretty good. Uh, good, good to be back. Uh, another show. You know, we do like two shows a year now. <laughs> no, but uh, I think this, <laughs> this is uh, what like our third or maybe fourth show this year. Um, we're kind of lagging behind. I think we did about thirty shows or maybe twenty-eight or twenty-nine shows last year. So uh, hopefully, we can start picking up the pace. Um, it is scorching outside, about 110 degrees in beautiful, dry Las Vegas. And um, I'm really excited. Uh, we're going to have a great guest, 140-pound um, uh, women's world champion. I believe she's the WBA and WBO uh, world champion. Uh, great fighter, great person, excellent interview. And I'm so excited to have her uh, her on for the uh, second time. Um so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really uh really jazzed up. Uh, oh, big time, big time feel, and she's got a great opportunity coming ahead for HBO. I can't wait for um her conversation with us. Really excited, really excited for uh, this interview. Hello, hello, what's going on? Guys? Yeah, it's so great to see you. Great to see you guys too. How you been? Excellent. I've been hitting that bike hard. Listen, man, I, it's it's been such a long 48 hours um, to try to get my little bit of working out in. It's been, like, damn near impossible. So, yeah. I went running first and usually finished on the bike. Yeah. But I'm here now, and I'm in the comfort of my nice bedroom because as soon as I'm done talking to y'all, I'm going to bed. <laughs> I'm going to sleep. <laughs> well, we certainly yeah. appreciate your time. And I know how much you've been doing and, uh, you know, a big buzz is going on um, in the universe, rightfully so, because the first time I spoke to you, the very first thing I said was your tattoos and your piercing. You just had something about you, like uh, this charisma. And it led you and now to the acting field, which is rightfully so. And in our lead up to the show, we were talking about how I think it's so well-deserved like you have that personality. Uh, what got you into acting? Like what, what started this whole process? Man, things usually, what I've learned about myself, you things usually happen to me that usually don't happen, whether that's good or bad. In my early years, we used to joke about having a black cloud. So things like when I go in line, like all of a sudden the cash register will get broken. I'll go to the doctors. And they'll be like, we never heard of that before. So things have always just happened for me. And um, I wasn't like going out chasing acting. It wasn't anything like that. I've always been interesting in interested in acting, um, but thought like I had to start like a cameo and a commercial. I don't know. I really didn't know where to begin. I come from a really artistic background. We've talked a few times before music. Uh, my grandmother mm -hmm. taught me how to 
paint. We have a lot of musicians in my family. My late father was in the Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch band. My mom sings. It's like the list goes on and on. So um, my grandmother was really into acting as far as doing plays. She went on tour with different um, groups around the area in Rhode Island. And my mom had me in like church plays here and there. But I was always imitating something, an accent, a person, a character. I had this specific character. Um that I used to do for my mom. Like, I don't know. It's just like, I, I love to observe people. So she used to come home. I had like this whole dress and her name was Mary and she smoked a pack of cigarettes. I remember like doing it and I was always doing something. Really <laughs> like, you know, the typical New England, Rhode Island, like give me a pack of Newports, darling. Like I, my, I, to this day, my mom died. So I was like eight years old, like doing this person. And I just kind of came up with it. But um, oddly enough, I spawned 2017. Um, that was a weird year for me. I had lost my brother to brain cancer earlier in the year in February. I wasn't really Very working. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. He was my biggest fan. Loved boxing. We watched we watched Game of Thrones together. Anything that we wanted to watch, like we had our own little routine. Um, he sings, he raps. Um, very, very blessed. He he gave it a really good fight uh, for 12 years of cancer, and we lost him. But that's um, he's such a motivation. I absolutely love him. So um, I was in a, like a weird place, and I got reached out by Joseph uh, Kubota Vladika, which is the director writer of Catch the Fair One. And as you can imagine, like so many people inbox me on this idea they have for a movie or something that never really manifests into anything. Prior to that, though, a, a week. Prior to him um, inboxing me, I was, you know, in my little, I've talked to animals and plants, you know, in my little meditation, if you will, I guess, outside. And I'm like, you know, I really want to get into acting. I just really don't know. But you know what, creator, if it's meant for me, then it will find me. Literally a week to that day, he slid in my DM and was like, hey, I'm Joseph. I'm a director, yada, yada, yada. I've done TV. He kind of ran his resume. And I'm like, all right, looks legit. Check it out. I'm like, okay, Narcos, Walking Dead. Okay, ain't mad at you. Sounds, sounds legit, right? Yeah, you legit. Go on. So um, <laughs> he basically was like, you know, I found you on the internet. Uh, I'm just finding out about missing and murdered indigenous women. I have this script I would love for you to read. Have you ever thought about acting? I was like, uh, yeah, but no, but okay. And I read his script. It was basically a script about a woman, a strong woman who loses somebody close to her. And him, just like a lot of the general public, didn't really know anything about missing and murdered indigenous women. So he started learning about the Highway of Tears in Canada, and he, we just started exchanging information. He came up to Rhode Island. First, he called me. I was at the beach. I remember this. He FaceTimed me just to talk to get to know me, and then he came up to Rhode Island just to sit and talk and kind of interview me and, like, do goofy little acting things and really just get to know my story. And I read his script, and he was really adamant about and very – I'll use the woke word, but he knew that it was a very important story to tell, but he was very – like present and knew that it wasn't his story to tell but he knew it was important so he just wanted to get the perspective of myself and the community i represent and very early on he asked me to be a creative collaborator to the story so i didn't physically write it but we would go through the script we would say yes no yay nay how would you do this how are things he sat down talked to some of my elders got to know my people and like it was like over a two-year collaboration where we just i had a very heavy hand in every aspect of the story the colors the everything and um then we kind of came up we always had it we have this thing with me and you homie like at the end of the day when everybody hates this shit that we put out 
me and you, at least we put our heart and soul into it. You know what I mean? It wasn't like we're going to have this Emmy Oscar winning best movie. We had a, a shit budget. We made the shit look like it was millions and millions of dollars, but we had so much passion behind it. And we just stuck to stuck to the, the mission, man. We didn't want to sexualize anything in the, in the story. We didn't want to beat something over the head with like a documentary type of um, activism or anything. It was just a, a creative interpretation of MMIW um, epidemic into a different audience and with a genre film, you know, you get a lot of people that love movies and then here I am kind of a thing. I never really planned on doing this, just like I really didn't plan on being a quote unquote motivational speaker or act activist. Um, I just do things with purpose and then whatever is supposed to happen kind of finds me. So I don't have like, I grinded for 25 years and I was in acting school. I've never been in acting school. I just have real life experience kind of a thing. And I, you, I, I what the thing I is, think, um, go ahead. You, 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 like just talking to you, um, your personality, you just seem like a natural, you know, it's like, if you find yes. something that you're passionate about, um, you just go with it and kind of see uh, where it leads you. Um, is that kind of something that happened with acting? Yeah. I mean, I learned, um, you know, I did go to an acting coach about for like a week called a week boot camp that Joe like threw me into. But her name is Sheila Gray. She's out of the, um, an amazing woman. She's a crazy, obviously East Side Jewish woman that just loves the craft. And she's very direct, which I love. Y'all know me. I love people cut the bullshit, just get to the point kind of a thing. And she just, <laughs> time to I throw down. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I, I did some one-on-ones with her, did some improv classes, and I just learned so much from her. It was very Joe thought I needed like, and he was right, some fine-tuning because I got up into that point and he could, you know, give me his perspective. And then I just, you know, I did what I I thought I interpreted this character how I, I thought it would be. And I treated it just like a boxing camp. You know, anything I do, I'm a obsessive fucking virgo and a perfection competitive all the above like i'll die before i quit anything so i just put those exactly. that worth ethic to this and um yeah it's not lying trust me i mean in a way actors get paid to play pretend like like adults like children but you know our job is to convince you that we're really feeling these feelings we're really happy sad angry bad whatever so it's really therapeutic honestly and especially something like the context of catch the fair one where it's really close to my real story as far as being Kaylee, the boxer, half Cape Verdean native. Um, but it was very cathartic as far as being a native woman and really knowing how bad and how serious this missing murder indigenous epidemic is. So I just took it, ran with it, and was like, you know what? I'm just going to use my little KO charisma and they don't like it. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's word, beautiful. Word. Yeah. 100%. I mean, you're a boxer a writer, an actress, you do training, you train fighters, you do all this type of great stuff. You got, you got a pretty and cool plate the there. You got exactly. a pretty cool plate there. Yeah, but, yeah, definitely. And you Go keep on, yourself on. motivated and everything is well-deserved, of course, because you have this great spirit. Like, I remember the first time I interviewed you, my wife came out of the bedroom and she's like, who is this person She's electrifying. She's amazing. And I'm like, yeah, this is probably one of my favorite interviews of all time. And um, I'm so thankful for Lou DiBella for setting that up. And Sean, of course, you know, and oh. mad respect. I love how real you are. And the thing is, like, for movies, 
you know, it, it's a different approach, obviously, to real life. Uh, do you have to do any stunts? I'm sure you're good at stunts, right? I mean, the what, the stunts that we did in Catch was, I mean, we couldn't afford no stunt people, man. It was like, we got two tables. We got <laughs> so two you had, had to do them yourself. But we had one of the best people ever. And uh, this, obviously, this is my first time. But Taz Mendez, he's a stunt person. And he's, like, the dopest person anyway. So, like, the scene where I'm boxing the big guy. First of all, that's my cousin, Matt Godfrey. He actually really works my corners. And, like... He hit me one day, and it was like, we're going to go on two that they discussed, yes. but I thought it was going to go on three, and this motherfucker really hit me. I turned my head. I was like, you motherfucker. <laughs> 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 I'm like, Ugh. like, so we did real stunts, like the fight where she's fighting um, Bobby in the living room, crashing through the table. That shit was so fucking fun. I did everything, and you know, as long as... I won't really have to jump out of a helicopter or something. I'm down to do whatever. If it's an insurance issue, let's go. <laughs> and um, th this movie uh, that you're speaking of. You know what uh, the where, thing where, is? You mentioned fun. Um, um, where can uh, people go see this movie? Um, where is it available for people to go view this? So you can grab your remote <laughs> and go catch the fair one. It comes up. I just, uh, I'm still like. A kid about that, but honestly, um, you can catch it on Amazon Prime, um, YouTube. Uh, it's on Amazon AMC Plus right now. It's on Microsoft TV. It's on Apple TV. Basically anywhere you can buy or rent movies. Oh wow! And you can, yeah. and you can just say "Catch the Fair One" in your little remote, and it will pop up. I think that's cool. I'll that's never awesome. get that. Yeah. <laughs> I love te love technology, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so weird. It's so, I'm like that's me. See, Kevin, this is why women are smarter than men. They know how to do these things. I know we were having a discussion about technology <laughs> earlier on that. <laughs> yeah, my my husband gets frustrated really easy. But like, he loves to cook, but bacon. <laughs> we fucking don't ask him to bake. He gets all hot and like, if his daughter asks to like bake brown, he's like. Oh, but I'm like, dude, just relax. Or like, how yep, to set? He doesn't right. read fucking instructions. Yeah. I'm like, it's right there. Like, it must be a guy thing. I don't know. But I'm like, yeah, I, I never met a guy that liked baking. No, I mean, I'm I'm just saying, like, he gets so like so frustrated. I'm like, dude, relax. It's yeah. just fucking eggs and oil. I'll burn my fucking house down if I start baking anything. <laughs> I, I wouldn't even know how to make a cupcake. I'll fucking my whole house will go down. So probably, <laughs> you know, probably. and then. Like, my wife always recognizes when I'm, like, lost. Like, I'll just be standing in the kitchen trying to figure something out. And she's like, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how to do this with this thing over here. I'm trying to make dinner, and this thing isn't working. And she's like, I could easily show you how to do this. Or the computer. The computer is the best part. Like, I, babe, my password's not working. My login's not working. What the, you know. And I, I'm sitting there for like 45 minutes because, like, I have will and desire to do things. She'll come up there and within like 10 seconds be like, do, 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 bang, done. I'm like, what, what kind of magic did you just put on this thing? <laughs> Women patience. are smarter than men. I'm throwing that out it's there. Patience. It's patience. It's called man. patience. Yeah. Yeah. Magic is patience. It's called patience. Yeah. I run. All out of fucks. I run all out of patience, so I get there too. Trust me, it's not you know. I have my baby. <laughs> yeah. So you yeah, were talking so about like stunt training and stuff like that. 
Um, I've been there and I actually clipped someone one time and I felt really bad. I still have the footage of it and we might uh, attach it to the show. I felt so bad. So we were going in for like a judo throw because I do some acting and I hit this guy really hard and I felt really bad because I boxed and I was trying to go light, but I hit homie and then I hit him and then I threw him. I was like, oh man, this guy's all messed up. You know, and I looked at him. I'm like, I am so sorry. He's like, no, it's part of the game, bro. It's all good. Friendly fire. I'm like, friendly fire? What's that about? But I think it's great that you're acting. Yeah. No, I was just saying. uh, It's part of it. Friendly fire. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't learn that yet. (laughs) (laughs) There's no no friendly fire in boxing, right? Nah, if you hit me, I'm gonna fuck you up. Fuck that, man. Come on. <laughs> I'm not just really like, oh, no, it's okay. It's okay. Hell no. <laughs> what you mean? <laughs> That's funny because me so, and John talk about, about uh me and John talk about sparring, and I'm kind of like a novice as far as boxing. So John's teaching me stuff, and I'm like, maybe we should spar. And he's like, No, he's like, I like you too much, you're too good of a friend. And so um, <laughs> but I, I still want to kind of duke it out, but he's like I'm like, you can just take it easy on me. He's like, no, no, we don't do it like that. So, so we, we're, we're going to try to figure something out, you know, in the future. But, you know, um, John's just a great guy. He's, uh, he's doing some, Kevin, that's uh, a great some question. training videos and, um, but boxing is no joke. It's, it's not, it's not a game. You, you, you know, like they always say, you know, it's, you don't play boxing and that's, mm-hmm. that's definitely something that you, you kind of learn when, you know, you're kind of starting out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Kevin, that's a great point that you brought up. And uh, let me ask you, you know, and all the people involved, is that when you get into a fight with a friend or have to spar people, like I've had to spar people in the gym back in the past, you know, and the thing is, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do because you like them. You went out, you had dinner with them the night before, or you have to fight them the next day. So, um how is that to actually get in the ring with someone that you're close with and lose those emotions? It's funny. Cause I was just talking um, to Ebony, Ebony Bridges, a good friend of mine who helped train her and all that. And it's funny. We was talking about another fighter and I was like, <laughs> when that bell rings, she's a cunt. So don't forget that. At the end of the day, when that bell rings, this person's trying to do exactly what I'm trying to do with them. When I spar her, I don't give a fuck how much she weighs. She hits hard as hell. There's sometimes where we have sparring days where, like, Brian comes and he's like, what the fuck happened at breakfast? Because we'll go, like, Gotti Ward for, like, eight rounds. Like, I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's hard it used to be hard, but like you get in that flow state and it's just, you know, I get, there's no emotions attached. You have to have um, like almost like an alter ego. Beyonce puts it like perfect. She has like Sasha Fierce when she's on stage and then she's just Beyonce when she's at home. You know what I mean? So it's almost like you have to have that alter ego. I mean, look at somebody as poised, as as such a, a sweet person as Katie Taylor. She's pound, pound, pound for pound the best, one of the best female fighters. She's a sweetheart. We spar. When that bell rings, we try to kill each other. It's just the name of the game. And you've been in, I've been in it so long that 
uh, understand the switch. You have to have that switch. And uh, my last fight was actually with Jessica Camara. I know her. She's a friend of mine. And she's also one of Brian's uh, fighters that he manages. So when we look like we stole each other's bikes because we beat the shit out of each other. You know what I mean? But it's just, the name- <laughs> it's just the name of the game, man. You know, you, you won nine out of your last ten fights, six in a row. You're doing great. And you're also acting again, multitasking. Um, what what's your plans uh, for the future with boxing? If you don't mind me asking, I love the fact that you're acting because I think you're perfect for that kind of uh, situation. But what what are you thinking about in terms of boxing? So you know, we had that 140. We have that 140 pound tournament, and it started when Chantel Cameron fought Mary McGee. She won, and I fought Jessica Camara. So the final is me versus Chantel. Right now, unfortunately, um, I'm having some health health complications that is not just a simple broken bone that can be fixed and go into therapy. I've explained it a few times on a few different interviews um, because I felt it necessary to go public with it, even though it's mad personal, but I'm an open book anyway. Um, So, you know, we had the plan to fight maybe like March, April-ish, and my last two fights were so close and I was at maybe 50% um, because I have these things were just kind of catching up with me. And, and that it's hard to explain because, you know, it's like the human body, yada, 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 but there's so many things, everything's attached. So when one thing goes haywire, as far as what I'm going through, it's everything's out of fucking whack. And um, it's something I've been dealing with most of my career. I went through menopause when I was 21 and it really affected, obviously when you're older, you go through menopause, uh, that means you don't produce estrogen. Estrogen, t- testosterone is responsible for so many things, including muscle recovery, strength, bone um, density and strength, um, sleep, hormones, all the list goes on and on. It's attached to your thyroid, which I'm dealing with that too. So um, it's something that kind of just caught up to me. I went through menopause and then everything kind of came back about 10 years later, was normal. And then the last two years, hasn't been so the last year the whole 2021 training and fighting was me basically just biting down on my mouth guard and just fucking doing it and not having any excuses because i didn't want to pass up any opportunities with the plan that we had going going on so um because of where i'm at because of where i'm at um in the top five percentile of the elite fighters right now and holding three belts and set up to fight for undisputed there's no way in hell that i want to go into the next fight just winging it you know what i mean not not taking anything away from jessica camara whatsoever because we had an epic fight and i'm so glad that the world got to see how good and fierce jessica camara is it's just i was at maybe 50 60 percent you can see it in the entire in the entire fight you know what i mean um by round four i was cooked and prior to that i was dealing with my cycle issues for about three to four weeks that day of the fight i was dealing with my cycle issues but i said fuck it i gotta fight i gotta figure out a way to get through this and i did it was a close fight it was a fucking war but at the end of the day i pulled it out so right now we're just it's kind of like a trial and error waiting game thing right now i've had a number of procedures i have a God knows how many blood tests, this test, that thing, try this, try that. So honestly, we haven't been able to schedule the fight because me training right now is not going to be an undisputed fight camp because I'm ha- every day is kind of like a 
a dice roll. I really don't know what's going on. And to top it all off, I live in Philadelphia. My health coverage is in Rhode Island still. So I have to drive five hours to go to my doctor's. When they call, come in for a visit in two days. I gotta hop in the car, drive, and go do you know. So it's been a it's been a it's been an interesting last seven months right now. Um, and it is what it is right now. I know people. Oh, when are you gonna fight? You're running from Chantel. Listen, man. People bleed blood and breathe air. I'm not scared of anybody. And if you look at my resume, my my record, I fought anyone, anywhere, anytime. Yeah. So it's not the fact that it's the fact that I have respect for myself. I have respect for Chantel and respect for boxing. I'm not going to show up and get a check. I expect her 100 percent. I'm going to be 100 percent. Now, if that just means it has to be on hold for way longer than we all want, then, yo, for once in my career, my health is priority. I'm on my time. Unfortunately, it kind of affects the what the fans want to see. But fuck that. I fought. For almost 14 years to get where I'm at now. I've gone to people's home countries, hometowns. I've been the underdog, no manager, no no promoter. I fought and earned my respect to be here. So put some fucking respect on my name and know that what I'm doing right now, you're gonna have to respect it because that's what it is. This is I'm on my time right now. And it Chantel's keeping busy, they're trying to find a different route for her. And I don't know what's gonna happen with this fight because my health is priority right now. Now, with that being said. Divine intervention from the universe. I just got the opportunity of a lifetime with this show offer. That one one thing, and I know you understand, this doesn't have anything to do with boxing. The way things work and the way shows and movies are made and created and how things go. I ain't packing my shit and going to Iceland tomorrow. You know what I mean? So we are still trying to <laughs> what happens. You know what I mean? And Matram's well aware. My promotional team, my whole team is well uh, well informed of what's going on. You know, everybody only sees what's on social media and everything. I got the trolls talking about Chantel's going to be your ass and you're ducking and dodging Chantel Cameron. I ain't ducking and dodging nobody. I ain't never duck shit. The last person who beat my ass was the doctor and I came out my mom's plot and I'm still looking for that motherfucker. <laughs> so don't disrespect me. <laughs> oh, God. Everything you said there was amazing. Uh, and, you know, you are an absolute fighter about what you're talking about with health issues, conditions. And you're also doing so many other things outside of the yeah. boxing universe, you know, and well-respected on all accounts. And if someone doesn't respect it, I'm going to say this right now. They could go fuck themselves. Okay. <laughs> so let's talk about true detective. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't want to spoil anything. You know, a lot of people know that you're on that. Actually, can I just well add something real, real quick, John? Go uh, ahead, Kev. Take it, that. Kev. Take um, it. Yep, take it. Have you have you started shooting that yet, or is that still like in pre-production? Can you just uh, go over that, like the process of uh, getting the role and like where where is the actual project at currently? So the project just got greenlit. Greenlit in the world of entertainment movies just mean like they get the okay to start the production works. Now something as big as this show being such a prestigious in a, in a, a network like HBO and they got to move the entire production to Iceland is something that when you get greenlit, okay, now it's real. Yeah. It really isn't real until you're on set. I honestly will tell you just like yeah. a fight ain't real until the bell rings and you're in the ring. So greenlit just basically means everything's okay. The negotiations are open. They've casted, the leads, which are us now, I don't know anybody else in the cast, and they're working towards getting in pre-production. So things take, take time. I can only imagine how much work is has been already put into it and then how much work has to be put into it to get everything set up for that. Now, you know, I know 
vaguely what it is because we have to do auditions we get to read certain parts of things so i have an idea and this is going to be an epic shoot i mean whenever it is i mean like i said this could be six seven months a year from now when we start shooting hence the reason why i'm like hey retards the fact that i got a tv show does not mean i'm not fighting (laughs) that's like people think like i'm shooting right now i'm like no No, and and for the again for the last fucking time, I'm dealing with health issues. Whether they want to believe it or not, it just happened that I'm some unicorn shit, and things opened up. I'm sorry, I'm blessed. I'm so thankful, grateful, and have so much gratitude for it. But in like, like plain terms, like fuck off, like stop trying to come up with these conspiracy theories, yeah. dude. Yeah, it's like every everything is a process, and sometimes people on the outside they don't see. Um everything that's kind of going on and they have a perception that so that's why I asked you the question because people have a perception that the show's already you know been shot it's gonna it's gonna premiere tomorrow and that's completely not not the case uh, for my understanding well put it this way we shot catch the fair one in 2019 and people were trying to say first that I'm ducking because you know they just found out about the movie oh it's because she's she's filming a movie I'm like Okay, numb nuts. No, we shot that in 2019. It takes a <laughs> Then we went through COVID, and then we had a whole year, and now it's out. You fucking idiot! Like, come on, guys. Have some kind of common sense. <laughs> like today, people are so have such access to information, but they're so much more stupid. Like, you can even Google how long does it take to film a movie. You can answer your own fucking question, and people are just stupid. So it's funny though. So people so are very another, stupid, um, and you know what? Go ahead, Kev. Go ahead. Now, just another question on that uh, aspect. So, um, the show, like the show itself, uh, do you know, like, when when you're going to start shooting that, or is that just kind of? Um... No, I don't know yet. Um, things are being negotiated. Things are being put in place. Um, I don't. I don't know. Um, so that's that's why, like, I, I can't stress enough. People, like, I'm trying. If it was up to me, I'd be fighting next weekend. You know what I mean? But. I gotta sit and wait. So <laughs> I have I have no idea. Um, so whenever they figure that out, I'll kind of you know assess the situation where I'm at with the fight, um, or if if I can even get you know what I mean. At this point, what I know from my doctors is basically it's gonna be something of a like a long term, really fine tune, minute, complex issue that we're trying to pinpoint that's kind of affecting. A lot of aspects of please my- keep me updated on that because I care about you a lot. Yeah. Uh, I think you're wonderful. Like I told you, like right off the bat, I connected with you, and uh, I'm so thankful that Lou Devella, you know, networked and put us together, and my boy Kevin here, you know, and all that kind of great stuff. We're, we're, um, we're just we're just so back thankful. To um, to, we're just so thankful. Um, by the way, because I know you probably had like a create the craziest day. And um, John was telling me you did so many interviews and the fact that you um, you came on to our show after everything you've been through today. I mean, that's I mean, that means a lot to uh, me. I'm, I'm sure that means a lot. And to she's God. working out afterwards. She was yeah. bike riding. I we don't want to keep we it. don't want to keep you too long because we know <laughs> I'm not trolling. Um, I'm not creeping. <laughs> you know, we, we know we know you you just came back from a run and, and whatnot. So. Um, we really appreciate you a lot. So I enjoy like, talking to you guys. So yeah. I appreciate that. No problem. Yeah. I do. I do Thank what I you. can. I want to. I, I want to. You know, say this and give you big ups for this. You were nominated yeah. for best female lead at the Spirit Awards, which is for the listeners, uh, independent film festival. 
that was your first role, if I'm not mistaken, correct? It was. It was your first time acting. It was. Wow. Okay, that's pretty incredible. You know, I've done acting. I don't want to make it about me at all. But what was that like to get that kind of reception? I was like, wait, what? <laughs> when I heard, I'm like, <laughs> first of all, I'll be very honest. I'm like, I've never even heard of the Independent Spirit Awards. What the fuck is that? Like, I know it's important, mm -hmm. but okay, so now I'm going to do my research. And then when um, I heard the announcement and I'm like, okay, all right, Regina Hall, I know her. Oh, snap. You know, it just got more real. I'm like, dude, that's insane. People, first of all, people at film festivals like, who the hell is she? Like, And then the movie resonated with a lot of people, and we were getting a lot of good feedback. And then people just really wanted to know who the hell I was. Like, And it was amazing to hear people, like, they're like, I don't know if you were just a really good boxer that just learned how to act really well or a really good actor that just learned how to box. <laughs> so I was like, that's kind of a dope comment. And the fact that we didn't have to explain anything to people and people took so much different um, points and just messages from the film. Like, every Q&A I did, somebody had a different observation, a different question, and it was just amazing because me and Joseph just sat there and was like, yo, wow, we really, we really did a little something here like everything that we set out to do wasn't to win an award it was yeah. just to make this piece the right way and that 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 was just a bonus you know and then when i at tribeca yeah. i got um a special jury mention from um you know for best actress i was in the category as to be nominated and um Amazing. brian cranston was one of the judges and oh, yeah. they were like they were like we sat in there and deliberated for six hours Wow. Between That's you yeah. and the lead and the novice. Now, the lead and the novice, she's been acting for a while. She's amazing. And that movie was amazing. She was the little creepy kid in the orphan. Like, she's like amazing. You know what I mean? And the fact that you were sitting there deliberating yeah. between me, this little boxer from Rhode Island who just, this is my first time, and somebody who's seasoned and is an amazing, and that was an amazing movie was like, holy shit. Okay. I guess, I guess I'm okay. Maybe I'll do something when it's acting. And then, you know, come, going from that, going around the film um, festival circuit all around the world, in France, everywhere, and then getting the feedback from people on just the movie and my personal performance was eye-opening. And it's like, you know, I struggled for a long time with with um, self-worth. And, you know, you've sorry, heard my story before, but, like, not feeling good enough, not feeling uh, just enough in general. So I guess my, quote-unquote, humbleness comes from, and I, and I don't ever and I will never lose it, is that... You know, I don't really set out to be boastful. You know, I can brag, I can talk some shit, but, you know, I have other intentions behind things. And when extra things happen, like getting a nomination and being up against these seasoned people, it's just like, it kind of gives me a, a boost of confidence. Like, I'm supposed to be here. That's kind of what happened with my boxing career. Like, I'm supposed to be here. After I first started breakfast, I was like, okay, I guess I'm okay. I guess I'm good. Yeah. I'm supposed <laughs> to be here. You know what I mean? And then... I did another project in between um, Catch and getting casted in this True Detective. I didn't really say anything. Mm -hmm. I've been working in silence for so for for like the past couple of months. I kind of like just stayed away from things and just move in silence. And um, I got casted in a film called Black Flies, starring Sean Penn and Ty Sheridan. And my boy Mike Tyson happened to be casted wow. in it as well. And the way that happened. Oh was, my god. Yeah, man, it was again. This is so like crazy how things just show up. I yeah. there was um a part. There was actually 
quite a few people on of the crew on Catch the Fan One that were working on this Black Flies movie because it was filmed in New York. And um, one of the guys was working with him very closely. He was um, like the assistant at the AD. And um, he kept trying to go see Catch at the film festival. He's at this state. He kept missing it. But he was in New York working. He's like, yo, listen, um, I, I really want to go see this movie. I worked on this movie. It's amazing. Do you want to go? The, the um, director, his name is Sean, uh, Sean Stefan. He's amazing. And um, he did uh, Prayer Before Dawn. If you haven't seen it, it's amazing. But he's like, yeah, sure. So in the middle of the movie, he's like, who the fuck is that? Like, he was like, okay. Oh, he's like, yeah. He's like, she's amazing. He's like, yeah, no, nah, she is. He's like, he's like, yo, can you get in contact with her? And he's like, absolutely. So he emailed me, connected us, and he told me about the the Black Flies, what he wanted. This this specific um role I had was I was like, wait, what? It was pretty fucked up, but um there was a, an a, availability and uh, opportunity for us to build and it was crazy because even at the small you know what significant role i had in that movie i was able to create a whole nother scenario as well off of that and i got and i i didn't have to audition for it i didn't do nothing he said i want you to do this 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 and i just absolutely love everything about you and it was from just seeing me in the movie i didn't audition anything i just went to new york we talked about it we wrote the, the other scene. We did that. I worked. Met Sean Penn. Met Shai Sheridan. That's a wrap. And I was shooting on the wow. set. I'm like, that's fucking Sean Penn. Crazy. Holy shit. <laughs> like, I was so... <laughs> <laughs> like, so it was... is, um, is that movie in uh, post-production? Or is that still... Um, is that in post-production right now? Or is it completed? Or what's where's, yeah, where's we, that in the process? Um, that wrapped up the end of May. And it's okay. in post-production. It probably won't come out till next year. If I'm if I'm guessing again, I don't I don't know. Um, but kind of how things work, I'm I'm imagining it maybe be entered in the next year's film festival circuit. Kind of go about that way. So I want to see it because it's actually based on a book called Black Flies that turned into a movie. And okay. because I read the script, and I'm like, holy shit, it's can, pretty good. Can you so, give us um, a short, like a little <laughs> a little short synopsis on the movie, just real quick? What yeah, sure. It's based on the book called Black Flies, and it's about it's a story about a veteran paramedic and a new rookie paramedic, and basically the percept, uh, the point of view of them, like going to different calls in New York City. Okay. Um, and the veteran, the veteran paramedic is, you know, he was there when 9/11 happened, and um, he's basically kind of trying to teach the the young guy the ropes, and you get to see the point of view from paramedics going to different calls in New York City. Okay. And and what's cool. what's your role specific role in that movie? If you can, um, is, is that something that you can tell us, or is that um? I'm a lead. I'm a lead. I'm not gonna even say anything. I'm gonna okay. let you right. guys right. watch it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I understand. You don't want to give out too many details. Nah, so, nah, yes. nah. I mean, read the book. You I can't spoil it. anything. You can't spoil yeah. it. I don't want to spoil. I, I, I want to ask you a couple things. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, go, no, cool. Yeah. Go ahead, John. Yeah, no, I, I don't want to. Spoil okay, it. a couple of la last minute. Yeah, go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. a couple last minute things like when when uh you get a script, is it hard to remember lines? Because I've done movies in the past a little bit, some TV shows, commercials, and actually like really nice productions. And like you said before, you hit the nail on the head. I never thought to act, but people were like, oh, "You got a voice for it," you know. You go in there. And sometimes acting was tough for me. I'm going to give you one example. I'll keep it as short-winded as possible. Okay. I've been with my wife for nine years. So I have not been romantic with any other woman 
for nine years. So there was a scene, it wasn't even like a softcore porn or anything like that, where I had to touch this woman's face and I couldn't do it. Like, I just, I couldn't feel right. And so I clapped her up, man. I smushed her. I'm like, you know, I, I didn't beat her up, but I just like, was like, she's like, whoa, the first time I ever heard cut. They're like, whoa, what, what the hell is happening right now? I said, listen, I'm not comfortable with the intimacy. Like, I, I'm sorry, I just can't do it. You know, I feel like I'm cheating on my wife or something. So what I did is I suggested to the director that I pull up her chin instead, you know, and then escort her to where she's got to go, you know. And it was just awkward for me. Like, acting like, you know, some people have no problem with, like, kissing romance scenes. That's tough. I, I wouldn't be able to do it, you know. Um, maybe I'm too dedicated. Maybe I'm trying to earn points on the air. So my wife hears it. She's like, oh, yeah, he's good. He's good. <laughs> you know, like, you, like you that earned, kind of shit. some points but there, I John. <laughs> you I earned some points, Stephanie. Listen yeah. up. That's my wife's name. Listen up, Stephanie. I earned some points. I couldn't even touch a girl's face, let alone make out with her. But uh, <laughs> with films, with lines, how, how do you, do you register it quick and process? It takes me a moment. I'm still learning again. Like still, to learn lines. It's funny because again, yeah. I'm still such a rookie. It's like being a rookie baseball player in the first game is the World Series. That's pretty much the best way I can explain it. I just got catapulted. Absolutely. Into this. Like yeah. I skipped the line. Like I'm not. This is well. I'm supposed to be exactly where I'm at, but like by normal standards, like this. You, you hit. Stuff. You pretty much hit a grand slam. I'm sure with your first movie, and then that's kind of taking you to the next level. So. How how do you how do you feel about that? Is that just like something that's uh, I, I wouldn't say overwhelming, but is like how does that make you feel? Is it just completely just out of this world, or um... it's um I I still haven't you know I still haven't registered that I did a movie like I'm that shit still hasn't settled. I still haven't registered <laughs> completely that I got nominated as a best leading actress my first time through. So it's just like things coming together and. I'm almost just going with the flow. And again, I'm learning. I'm a work in progress. And I've worked a lot, a long time to, to know self-worth. And I'm just, Jesus done took the wheel a long time ago. I'm in the passenger seat, smoking a joint with my glasses on, enjoying the sunset at this point, because this shit is like <laughs> unreal. Dude, it's like, okay, well, fuck it. I'm I'm good enough. I'm good enough. So, and so, I will um, figure it out. You know what okay. I mean? What what's it like seeing uh, seeing yourself on camera? Because I mean, I'm somebody like when I see myself on um, even like the podcast we do, and um, even pictures in general, I'm just don't feel comfortable. Like even listening to my own voice, kind of seems just a little awkward. Uh, how how do you deal with that? Is that something that you're comfortable with, or are you still kind of getting used to it? Or if you watch one of your movies, um, how do you feel just seeing yourself, you know, on the big screen? Well, I'm a huge critic of myself. So even watching my fights, a lot of times I don't even fucking want to watch it because I'm already, I already am already picking myself apart. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that is like annoying. Um, hearing my own voice that took a while. Even like doing like podcasts or interviews, it's not totally weird. Um, at first it was, but because I was part of the editing process, I kind of got that out of my system by seeing it over and over and yeah. over and over again. Um, to appreciate it for what it is, but um. Yeah, man, I'm just, I'm just I'm really new at it. So I'm just learning on the job. And as far as like lines and stuff go, 
I've never gone to a school or anything and had somebody, this is how you remember lines. I have kind of my own way, especially with doing self-auditions, because that's all I've been doing since we shot after I got representation, like after we wrapped up. I've been doing audition after audition after audition. I get three or four auditions a week, and I haven't been auditioning for the to get a job. Honestly, I've been auditioning to learn. I just want whatever you guys have, send it to me. I don't care if it's the goofiest thing. I've done auditions for a voiceover for Baby Shark. I've done like everything because I'm like, I'm so new to this. I need to know what's going on. I need to know how to do this, what people expect. And because we're in the COVID era right now, things aren't in person. So this world of self-tape audition is so fucked up to season actors because they're used to working off of people being live auditions. But this is the only world I know is talking to my fucking phone for hours downstairs in my basement doing auditions, practicing. So I just it's just like boxing, just repetition, repetition. So as far as the lines go, I'm really good at improv. I absolutely fucking love improv. I do an improv class at least once a week. And I'm really good in the moment. Maybe it's because I box. Maybe because I'm just born into a funny fucking family. I have no idea, but I absolutely love it. So I'm trying to <laughs> now I'm trying to figure out my because you have to be in the moment with with acting especially for improv you have to react off the yes. situation the other actor so i'm um, right now teaching myself how to incorporate me being so in in the moment with the reaction as well as getting the lines without me sounding like i'm repeating or or just saying lines it's a lot more like space time and patience in the and silence is actually probably more it's better mm -hmm. than trying to force something. And this is not me speaking from any, like, I learned from the great acting coach. This is me just observing. So I'm still learning. Like, doing a movie where my character says, like, two words every three or four scenes, you know, because I had to, like, show, don't tell. And then now having to maybe, obviously, having to say a lot more. Um, it's just building the character. I feel that as more I know the character, the more I can get inside the brain of the character and world, I'll have triggers in my brain about the character that will trigger the right lines per se. So I'm just trying to develop a, a method right now. Um, I have a photographic memory. So a lot of the times when I'm doing auditions, I can remember it and I can see the page in my head and I'll know I'll have like key little words in my head and I'll kind of know what it is, but I just got to do it more and more. So it feels natural. And if there's anybody listening or watching, that can give me some damn advice that's done this before. I am all ears. Trust me. You know, 100%, uh, I agree with everything you're saying, you know, and it's all about learning on the job and uh, obviously getting the lines down and stuff like that. But with that mentality, that's excellent, you know, and I, I really loved what you said about the phrasing, about taking time, like not rushing the lines, you know, like... Um, my wife actually gave me some great, you know, tutelage where she's like, stop being Tony Soprano. So I'd be reading lines with her to do like film or whatever, <clears throat> excuse me, TV show. And she'd be like, why do you always turn to this? Okay, so here's two, two roles of what I was going to do. Hey, what's going on over here now? Why do we got to do this? What's the problem over here now? Why is this happening? Let's get this motherfucker out of here. She's like, whoa. She's like, John, it's good. But she's like, you know, let's make it a little bit more you. Yeah. And then my boy, Eric Roberts, who I'm doing a film with, you know, 
uh, great friend of mine. Shout out to Eric. And he's like, you're good. You're Cause I'm like you, I'm raw. I'm I've never had acting class, whatever raw. And he's like, just, just, just do more of you. So I'm like, more like, so I do the scene over and I'm like, Hey, you, <laughs> I'm so disappointed with you. Like I've had enough of you. I got to get you out of here. You know, and sometimes the Andrew Dice Clay comes in. My <laughs> wife tells me Tony Soprano or Andrew Dice Clay when I'm trying to like, I'll rehearse roles with her. And I'm like, oh, what's going on over here with this mother fucker? She's like, whoa, wait. Tony. She's like, stop it right now. You sound, John, you sound Robert. conflicted. Yeah. You sound a little conflicted. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's a conflicting. I'm telling you, acting's hard because you want to project your voice, but you don't want to go over the top. You want to keep it like kind of bassy. It depends on the role, depends on the character. But I'm getting script casted, right? So everyone puts me in that like mafioso role where yeah. it's like, I got to be the you know, bad guy. You know what I mean? Like, but it's hard not to be like, you motherfucker. Yeah, you yeah. motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> that's and we're from right the East now. Coast, you and I. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm yeah. like, all right, when I do like motivational speaking or I'm speaking to kids, like I'll enunciate and take my time. My mom was so adamant about, you have to enunciate your words. And now God bless the way she raised me and like was so like adamant about certain things. But, you know, when I'm talking to my people, I said, I'm like, get the fuck out of here, guy. You know what I mean? My Rhode Island comes get out. Get the fuck out of here. What are you talking about over here, guy? Like, what the fuck? But um, I love accents, so I listen to people. So I'm like, this role, I'm like, I don't want to sound like Peter Griffin as a fucking detective. Like, <laughs> I know when I get in and I get like, really like, I get, yeah, 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 over here. You know what I mean? So it's Over here now. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, when Canelo started speaking English, what I loved is that it was all curse words for the most part. Remember when he oh, told Kovalev? It was it no trip? No, it was uh, Demetrius Andre, who oh, I loved right, to death. Yeah. Got yeah, great friend, been on my show a couple times. Get the fuck out of here! Get the fuck out of here! I'm like, you all I'm paid like, it. why you is it that? It. The, and, and, you know, the most I'm Italian, obviously. And the most of the Italian language that I learned was curse words right off the bat. Like, why is that? You know, and then Canelo's like learning English and get the fuck out of here. Out of here. You fight nobody. Get the fuck out of here. I was like, damn, boo boo. <laughs> Yo, I was like, exactly. And I love Boo Boo. Like he's great, man. He's he's awesome. Yeah, he's, he's he definitely jumped, jumped uh, Canelo's uh, press conference. That, that was yeah, that was that was pretty funny. Man, that's yeah, cool. I've known him forever. Yeah. That's like my homie. So yeah. I was like, he's a mother. <laughs> so we so we've I been told talking, him too. Um, Go ahead. So we've been talking about the whole movie, like acting and the movie business. Um, but obviously, you're you're a boxer. Um, you, you into boxing movies? You have a, like a favorite that you could uh, let us know about? You know, let the fans know uh, which boxing movies you like, or you have a favorite or a favorite uh, actor in any of these movies? Cliche, Rocky One, Rocky Four, of course. I'm just gonna say it because it's okay. just like very cliche. Um, I gotta say the Creeds—they did really, really good. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Too. 
the realism, the realest shit I've ever seen in any box movie was in Creed 1 when he's about to fight. He has his gloves on. They're about to go out. And he goes, shit, I got to take a piss. And he had his gloves on. I was like, that fucking happens all the time. Like, just the way they did it, the way the commentators, the belts, the real fighters in it, they did really, really good. Um, And Ali was good. Fucking Will Smith. Like, everything about Ali and that was really, really well. I'm yeah. Raging Bull, it's a classic. You yeah. know what I mean? These are just a few. Um... I, I, th- I think the Ali one was, uh, it was difficult in the beginning of the movie to kind of get your mind around Will Smith uh, playing Ali. But I think as the movie went on, once you got that out of your head, I think he, he did a really good job. You know, but yeah. I, I think that was just kind of the part Excellent. of the movie. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people were like, um, they were a little conflicted in the beginning. And I think, you know, once once that kind of went away, I, I thought he was, you know, excellent. You know, he, he played the role very well. The one movie that fucked me up was when Usher played Sugar. <laughs> Sugar. Oh, oh that was the Duran movie, movie, correct? Yeah, Hands of Stone. I was yeah. like, Hands of Stone. Is that Usher? I'm done. Turn it the fuck yeah. off. <laughs> I was fine. Until then. I was like, Oh come on! I I can't not see Usher right now. I was like, because Hands of Stone was pretty good. Yeah, it was a good movie. Yeah, it was really good. It was good. Come on, man! One of my favorite scenes uh, we we talked about Raging Bull is when Joe Pesci goes up to De Niro, "Stop eating, stop eating, you fat fuck!" Because he was getting weight. He was getting weight on himself. So he's like, "Stop eating, stop eating." Great movie. Uh, my favorite boxing movie of all time uh, has to be Rocky One. Like you said, it, okay. it is cliche. I understand that. Um, an honorable mention is Rocky Four. Now, the reason for this is the soundtrack. The Hell fucking yeah. soundtrack. Yes. You put that thing on, if you're having your worst day in your life, and you just start that soundtrack, and then Hearts on Fire pops off, no easy way uh-huh. out. Oh, you man, can't fail dude. as a person. That you can't fail kid. as a person. <laughs> the Karate Kid one soundtrack in the Rocky oh. soundtrack. My day is good. I got the Cobra Kai shirt on. I seen your Cobra Kai glass. Yeah. <laughs> I think the um the, 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 the hurricane around. Um, Nothing's gonna ever keep it down. You're the best <laughs> around. Yes. <laughs> Nothing's gonna ever keep you down. Well, that's just classic. I, that. I can't sing worth a shit. I can play drums really good. I came yeah, up. I, I, I really, um, I really like the Hurricane. I don't know if you would necessarily qualify it as a boxing movie, but because there's not a whole lot of boxing within the movie, but Damn. that was an excellent performance by Denzel Washington. It's I mean, so, it's a great it's movie. Awesome. Yeah, no, that was good. That oh, was yeah. a great actor. Yeah, that was a great movie. I just yeah. don't know. Does does that qualify as a boxing movie to you, or is that um? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it does. Absolutely. Because boxing movies doesn't doesn't necessarily have to be like just boxing. Like the backstories. Yeah. And that's why I said the uh a prayer before dawn, it has nothing it's about Thai boxing in a prison. Uh-huh. Um that one is like not really about Thai boxing. It's like the backstory of how how the culture of it, even in prison, is of the whole Thai boxing. It was really, really, really good. That's um the director who did Black Flies, he did that one. It's really okay. good. Yeah. It's it's raw. It's I really met. Good. I had the privilege to meet uh, Hurricane Carter, and he was a excellent gentleman. I'm so happy I got to meet him in Philadelphia at an event that Teddy Atlas was running for the Katrina victims, and he was a delightful guy. Great to be around. 
Um, I want to switch gears real quick. All right. Outside of the favorite boxing movies, how about karate movies? You know, we talked about Karate Kid a little bit. That's not an obvious great one. But Steven Seagal movies, Jean-Claude Van Damme. I have my secret, you know, that I'll put out there in a moment about my favorite karate movie of all time and, and the reasons why. But uh, what do you guys got? Karate movies, best of all time. Okay. Does this qualify? <laughs> I wanted to be him when I was a kid. I had fucking posters. I wanted to be Bruce Lee so damn bad. Enter the Dragon and Chinese Connection was my Saturday morning go-to. I'm just going to say yes. it. You know yep. what I mean? Enter the Dragon is great. Yep. I just watched that recently, and it was... Still great. Yeah, it was, it was so amazing. I mean, just, just like the cinematography and the uh, choreography in the movie, I mean, it's... You see so many movies that kind of copy that style nowadays. But, but obviously, there's a whole culture that's kind of behind, you know, the fighting movies. And it's just, um, it's just a feeling you get, you know, some people, I mean, it's either you really like it or you really don't. I, I, I think there's, there's really no middle ground with um, those kind of movies. You know, it's, I mean, those are just classics like in general, and there's a bunch of, bunch of other uh, movies from that era era and like fighting movies that are great too. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. I can't go buy a bunch of mirrors without thinking about that fucking movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the scene that's just popping my head. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. You know, for me, like, um, I'm going to start with this one, but I have an honorary mention, all right? Best of the Best Part 2 is probably one of my favorite movies of all time with martial arts. The fight choreography, uh, you know, man, Simon Ree. Uh, what he put together there, just a great film, um, awesome for martial arts. Second one, and you All guys right. mentioned Bruce Lee, Fist of Fury. Yes. That is like some yes. serious, serious, like fucking carnage. <laughs> like they, they just throw people down like crazy. And I rented that. And my dad's like, you don't understand that this is in subtitles. I'm like, no, I understand. I, I'll watch it. I can't wait. I had no idea what the fuck was really going on, and but it was fun. I'm like, I like the fight sequences, and I read the subtitles every once in a while. Had uh, significant ADD when I was a kid, so like I wouldn't read all of it because it was like reading a book. And so I'd read it, and you watch the whole movie, you know, play itself out. I'm like, you don't need to hear or see shit outside of the fighting sequences. These fighting sequences are amazing. Um, the other one I got is Bloodsport. Okay. John Claudement. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That, that that is dude, that shit is crazy. <laughs> like if they ever try to redo Bloodsport, I'm going to protest somewhere like this. I, I will be right there with you, front line of defense. You can't. There's some things they try to do other movies. It's like okay, whatever. But if they try to do blood, you can't do that again. Yeah. I have an honorable mention. It doesn't have a lot of karate, and no. you're gonna be like, what? But the Last Dragon. I gotta say, Bruce oh yeah, Miller, that's a classic. Yeah, I yeah. just rewatched that like last week. I fucking love that movie, yo. I mean, yeah. it doesn't have like great movie. karate per se, but it does, man. It was a classic. I gotta say, I, well, I mean, it's like a it's like a parody of like a karate movie, but it was done like I mean, it's just so funny and. You know, it's kind of um, 
it's just so different. There's no other movie that's really like it. And I think that's why it kind of has the appeal like it, it always had, you know? But it celebrates the black excellence in the, yeah. in the black community for the love of the art of Kung Fu. Because like yeah. in the 70s, 60s, 70s, 80s, like the black community was like hard on, on, on karate. Like, yeah. and, like so I, I just like that whole mesh of the two. And it's yeah. just a classic, man. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Um, Show enough. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so that, that magic dude when, when that shit came out at the end yeah like you were like so surprised right when yeah. that just magic like the bad, comes out at the end the bad like, like special oh, effects minute, and a, stuff i mean that's what kind of made the movie what it was you know yeah. just the, the corn the corniness it's like of next was level like the appeal you, you you get what i'm saying yeah yeah it's like if they i mean because it's so like bad, bad. I don't even say like '80s graphics and like special effects or lack thereof. It just makes the movies. We were talking. I was talking to another interview today about scary movies. I'm like, all the '80s scary movies get shit out of me because special effects sucked. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like a good and bad thing. Like uh, I was showing my wife the other night, like the Monty Python uh, quest for the Holy Grail. Okay, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this. But there's a scene where there's a killer rabbit where all these guys are like knights, you know, it's like an old school period piece type thing. It's comedy, you know, and this rabbit is so fucking cute, but it comes out and it destroys everyone. Kev, if we could throw that up there, that would be awesome because I think it's absolutely hilarious. And I love how shitty it looks is my point. It looks terrible. It looks like someone is actually doing this in their living room, you know, and it's just absolutely phenomenal. But, you know, old school, like, effects, like there's something about that. Like sometimes nowadays we got CGI. They overdo yeah. it. They overdo it yeah. too much. And practical, to be like, um, you know, there, there has to be like a happy medium there. Kind of like, uh, I mean, I'm yeah. sure you're aware of like Beetlejuice and. Um, I, I can't remember what, who the director is. So I think Tim Burton. All his movies have just Tim great, Burton, yeah. That's great like old school special effects. You know, with like realism. You know, not CGI or any of that. You know. No, nah, what's well, so, um, I'm obsessed with Tim Burton, as you can see, I have my Jack Pillow back here. I have a tattoo of um, Edward Scissorhands on my calf. I absolutely love Beetlejuice. Like I'm obsessed with Tim Burton. I absolutely love him. I love his whole mind. Like it's yeah. Like, so um, he's good. So you're so you're a boxer in the um, you're the women's 140 pound champion. You have two of the belts. Um, obviously, uh, recently there was a big fight that just happened. So we got to talk about it because this was probably one of the biggest fights in uh, women's uh, boxing history. Uh, Amanda Serrano versus Katie Taylor. Um, I'm sure you saw it. Were, were you actually were you at the fight or um, did you attend? No, I didn't want to. I didn't want to be there unless I was like ringside, ringside. Because I mean, okay. the atmosphere is probably crazy, but I didn't want to get caught up in the craziness of the crowd. I like watching fights on TV where I can really see it. And okay. I was like, unless I'm like right there, I don't even want to go in the chaos of the Barclays. I mean, the uh, Madison Square Garden is insane, but I did watch it. I kept score each round because it was one of those fights that I knew I'm going to make sure I put down who I thought won that round every after everything. Cause it's going to be such a dope fight. 
And, and who, who did you uh, have winning the fight at the end? There was a lot of controversy. Oh, I don't know if there's controversy there because it was a close fight, but um, who, who did you have as the victor there? Who did you pick? So I had Katie um, give, gave Katie the edge, and it was because there was one fucking round where I just was like, I was like told Brian, I'm like, babe, can I do like a 10-10 round? People do that. Like, I don't know. I'd be a horrible judge because it was so the one run round was really close. And um, Amanda, man, she is a beast. Katie's a beast. I absolutely adore and love both of them as fighters and people. Um, but I had to give I gave Katie the edge, but I wouldn't have been mad at a draw or Amanda winning the fight. It was so close. But I gave Katie the edge because Amanda took her foot off the gas a little bit. And that was just enough for Katie to separate them, the two of them, at the very end. There's, there's a strategy to fighting. It's not just throwing punches. It's like, even with me, my last fight, I knew those last two fucking rounds, I was going to have to dig to the depths of hell in another dimension to pull it out because it was way too fucking close. So Katie, you know, she separated herself just enough to give the edge, but... If they would have called it a draw or they would have saw it go Amanda's way, I'd have been like, I agree. You know what I mean? But I did get Katie to end. Now, in the rematch, as long as Amanda knows to not take a foot off the gas and when she has a hurt, keep going, she'll win the rematch because she had Katie hurt a few times. Like, yeah. hurt, hurt. like Katie, God bless your chin and your legs and God give me some good legs to stand now because she had some – and that takes a lot to come back from that and to finish the way she did. So I gave Katie the edge. I just, I just, I, my assessment on the fight and, um, and John, you definitely want your assessment also. Um, mm -hmm. That was like the, a fight where I thought Serrano won the fight, but I think maybe from the outside looking in um, Serrano, the rounds that she won were more decisive than the rounds that Taylor won. So I think that really gave an impression to a lot of the viewers that Serrano won. But obviously in boxing, you score, uh, you know, every round, you score each round individually. So just because you win one round big, it's still 10-9 unless, you know, you put somebody on the canvas. So that was kind of one where I was like, okay, Serrano definitely won, in my mind, at least four rounds very decisively. And Taylor won... She won her share of rounds, but hers were kind of like rounds that could have went either way. So that's why I kind of gave Serrano the edge. But obviously, um, it wasn't a, a fight where there was necessarily somebody got robbed. You know, like the, the word that people like to throw around in boxing all the time. Um, but what were your thoughts, John, on on that fight? I think if three-minute rounds were a factor in this fight, it would be a different fight. You know, um, there was a great start for Serrano in that fight. Taylor came on late. And to credit to both, I mean, this is the gaudy ward of women's boxing. This was a great fight. Yeah. You know, I was hitting my wife up at work, and she was probably really pissed off because I kept hitting her. I'm like, oh, my God, this fight. But it went <laughs> by too fast. It went by too quick. You know, that yeah, was my true, thoughts. Um at the end of the day, it, it, either which way, um, Taylor's got a hell of a chin, hell of a chin. Serrano's got so much will and skill, and I've spoken to her. I've had her on my show before, and she only cares about boxing. Like, I tried to actually ask her, um, you know, 
about, hey, what kind of music do you like? What kind of movies? She's like, I, I just focus on boxing. I'm like, oh, wow, <laughs> shit. I never going to fight you. Never, you know, yeah. I'd never hit a woman in my life, you know, and I never would. But it's, she's like, I just want to talk about boxing. I'm like, okay. And she was very serious about it. And I was like, I could tell the temperament of her. Yeah. Like, she's very dedicated to her craft. Like, she really cares about it. So what I'm getting at with this statement I'm making is that, you know, for Katie Taylor, for her to, you know, deal with that, that that shows you how good Katie is. Yeah. Like, Amanda Serrano is just, like, boxing all the time. She don't care about music or some shit. <laughs> that, that, that's what I got. And I think that's amazing. Like, she sticks to her craft. That's what she cares about. You know, and it shows it shows yeah. a, a lot, you know, and she's had the the yeah. ability, the, the privilege to just dedicate herself to boxing. And if you're going to dedicate yourself to something like boxing, that's how you do it. You know what I mean? And she has the opportunity to do that and much respect her because it shows. And she's such a sweetheart, too. So is in Katie. But as soon as those bells ring, fuck that shit, man. They're there. It was so I was so proud as a female boxer to see that shit. And I, it's funny. I've never been or for at Madison Square Garden. But to see that headline, them have a million dollar payday and put on a display of boxing, not women's boxing, but boxing like that. I was like a proud mama. I'm like, look at that shit. Like we, we've come so far and there's only great fight. Yeah. Yeah, that, great that was that was like a situation where um, you had a super fight or, or what they perceived as a super fight. And it exceeded the expectations, you know, of the fans. And that's always great because kind of um, and I don't want to kind of poo poo on. Pacquiao and uh, Mayweather. Um, that hurt boxing. No, Kev, though. let's do it. Let's you be know. real. The men that, don't uh, do what the women are doing fight, lately. Yeah, that, that fight. <laughs> let's just not fuck around here. <laughs> yeah. That, that fight hurt boxing a lot. The best just, were fighting you know, the best. And yeah. So, I mean, when you see two great fighters in against each other and you get a great fight, that advances the sport in a major way. And then, especially women's boxing, um, just because of the profile of women's boxing in general, it's kind of gets overshadowed, especially with, you know, MMA and whatnot. Um, they they kind of put their women in the spotlight and boxing, not so much. Um, I think that really, you know, did a lot. And then I, I would uh, give a lot of credit to uh, Jake Paul for just, you know, kind of helping put Amanda Serrano out there and giving her a bigger yep, profile money. and, you yep. know, paying her, you know, pretty good purse for that yep. fight. And just both of them. Uh, and the fact that they got the fight made, um, that's very important. You know, you see this thing with uh, with Errol Spence and Spence Terrence Crawford. And Crawford. Yeah. That's a big fight. Um, they're apparently they're in negotiations right now. We definitely love to see that. So we just want to see uh, a fight where we don't know who's going to win. That's that's what the fans want. They don't want ten to one favorites. They don't want twenty to one favorites. They want you know two to one favorite or maybe two and a half to one, where you know we're actually have some anticipation. What's going to happen here? You know, not just going in there thinking, you know, when's this guy going to fall? You, you you know what I mean? So, and, and I think um, from you being in uh, the women's game, I, I, just from me seeing you fight, I mean, you fought everybody, everybody who there is to fight at the top level. And we definitely commend you for that. I've seen, you know, uh, a few of your fights and, you're, you're a true warrior in there. And I'm, I'm just uh, so happy for 
your other career, your other burgeoning career with the acting. And um, I wish you the best with all of that. I really appreciate that too. And to kind of bounce off your point. So I understand the frustration of the fans wanting to see me fight Chantel. I want to fight Chantel. And the beautiful, beautiful thing about most female fighters is that we want to fight the best. Like it, it get it. Like I love knowing that, okay, Oh, I'm up against the best. Great. Cause that's going to make me fight harder. I'm not the type that needs a tune up fight. And Oh no, I want to take that fight. No, I call, Oh, who, what she got? How many belts? word that means it's going to make bring the best out of me so that's the one thing you'll find with women we want to fight we want to fight most of us there's a bunch of pretenders out there too but for the most part women yeah. we just want to fight like i'm not even gonna go into details and names yeah. all i gotta say is if you no, get i got you i got you, you. Go, i need to tune up first yo we fighters like just tune somebody up tune up in the gym like especially if you're experienced like just fight. Just fucking fight, man. Because we don't get that many opportunities anyway. So stop stop with the bullshit. Just fucking fight, man. So That's up, why I love fight. your personality. I, I, I love that about you, that you are a true fighter. And, you know, even outside of the boxing ring, what you're doing with acting, like to jump into all these different universes, it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of, you know, um, going out there and, and being invested in you know, uh, feeling confident and that, that's excellent. But also like, there's a flip side, right? Like you go out there and you feel confident, but you check how confident you really are. So that's a fight in itself. Like, man, can I really act? You know, can I really do these stunts? Can I really do this? You know, that sort of thing. And that shows a lot of courage that a lot of people don't have on planet earth. You certainly have that courage. Um, I want to go round table right now, guys, if we can. Spence versus Crawford. Okay. If it happens, who wins? Ladies I first. I got to give the edge to Crawford. He's one of my favorite fighters. I like Spence as well. I give him respect where and credit is what credit do. But Crawford's like just – he's a technician. Not saying Spence isn't, but Crawford, mm -hmm. I've seen him – just compute while he's fucking shit up and i just love his style i love how he boxes and i i love again i really like spence i really do yeah. but i give i give it to crawford i had this conversation earlier <laughs> i give it to crawford absolutely kev what do you got um yeah it's interesting um i'm gonna go with arrow spence and i'm gonna give you uh couple specific reasons but I think the biggest reason is Errol Spence is a little bit better defensively than people give him credit for he's a good pressure fighter uh, he's busier than Crawford and I think if Crawford can't hurt Spence I, I see uh, Spence winning a decision it'll be close but I think Spence will be able to win more rounds um He's probably been a little bit more active as far as, uh, well, I mean, he had that accident. So, I mean, it's, this is like, a, I mean, as a toss-up as it gets, but um, he's he's also, he's a southpaw. I don't, I don't know how many southpaws I've seen Crawford fight, um, but, you know, obviously Crawford can fight in either stance. Um, mm -hmm. Errol Spence is a natural welterweight. So if, if Crawford can't hurt Spence, I, I just see... Uh, 
Spence, you know, pulling out a, a close uh, unanimous decision. I, I don't see a knockout in this fight. You, John? Yeah, for me, I got, you know. Yep. For me, I got Crawford just outboxing him, man. John, you know slick, what? He's fast. You you, you put me Go on ahead. the spot there because, um, you know, I, I don't like to predict, <laughs> I don't I don't like to make predictions on fights until they get me signed. Neither. Me, me neither. Well, these are man. fantasy fights. All right, all right. Let's talk about a fight then. Let, right. Let's talk about a fight that's actually going to happen before we close out. Canelo okay. versus Triple G. Let's talk about it, ladies first. Canelo, I love Canelo. Even though he's coming off a loss uh, against Bivol, um, I just think he's one of the most well put together fighters. He has. Defense, offense, speed, power. He can move. Like, he's just one of the most well-put-together fighters, and I've seen him grow over time. He's one of, like, again, I hate to be cliche, but he's one of my, one of my favorite fighters to watch. I even watch him train his brain. Um, he took a chance, too. He went up to – and Bivol is no fucking joke. You know what I mean? And he took a chance. And I like how he is when he loses. Like, people lose. Oh, I got robbed. But fuck, just, you know what I mean? He's going to go back to the drum board and just, you know, get his payday. It is paid that you know what I mean. So I I give it to um Canelo Triple G. I don't know if it's because of his opponents he's fighting the last couple of times, but it's almost like he plateaued. And Canelo, I see him improving all the time, so yeah. I give it to Canelo. Yeah, I, I gotta go Canelo just because um. Even though Canelo lost to Bivol, Bivol is just like a terrible style matchup for anybody. And Canelo doesn't do well with boxers. Uh, Triple G is just going to be standing right in front of him the whole time. And Triple G is going to be moving up in weight. And I think Canelo is, like, really filled out at 168. I don't know who was advising him to go to 175 pounds. I just didn't really see any point. Um, there's plenty of guys at 168 that he could have fought. You know, Benavides. He could have fought uh, Boo Boo. He could have fought Charlo. Um for some reason, somebody conned him into fighting Bivol. I have no idea what the point of that was, but um, but but the, you know you don't you don't take anything away from him for that because that's you know him making it you know challenging himself. So now he's gonna fight Triple G, and Triple G didn't look that good against uh, Murata. I mean, he did knock him out, but he just was kind of taking too much punishment. You know the body shots that uh, the Japanese fighter was hitting him with, and I think yeah, Canelo I is just gonna. I think Canelo is just gonna be. A con it's gonna be a continuation of that fight, and I think he's gonna get knocked out. I mean, I'll I'll be honest with you. I, I really, you know, I, I see uh, Canelo maybe being able to stop him, maybe stopping him on his feet, but I, I see, um, you know, because Triple G is not known for being a defensive fighter, and he's he's a lot older now, so. And he's, he's got some miles on him, so I'd, I'd go with Canelo. You hit the nail on the head, Kev. What I think is exactly what's going to happen is that Triple G will try his hardest. And if he doesn't get it done early, it's going to be a problem late. Yeah. You know, he's going to throw himself out there. And he, I think, you know, in my opinion, my humble opinion, obviously, is that eventually he'll either tire or get nailed and get hurt. You know, okay. Canelo is very good late in fights. Like, it takes him a little time. He's a counterpuncher. It takes him a little time to warm up. It's for G to get it done early. If he doesn't get it done early, he's going to be in trouble. He's a slow starter. 
you know, and he tries to counterpunch with a counterpuncher. That never makes any sense. Like, you have to adapt styles. Like you said before, we all talked about styles make fights, right? So you got to do something, you know, to, you know, embark your own style to negate what the other opponent is doing. And I I think Triple G style is good. I think he's going to try really hard. I think he's going to look good early. If he don't get him out early, he's in trouble late. Mid-rounds, he's in trouble. And I think his legs, his legs look a little questionable. Like you said, he got us some miles. Yep. And yeah. you can kind of tell a fighter, I've been around boxing a long time, you tell a fighter near the end, when you start seeing their legs not really function how they are. In movement, Canelo got Triple G beat. You know what I mean? In a lot of things. And I think what he's almost turning one-dimensional where he has the game plan. If it doesn't work, he still sticks to that game plan. In the last fight, like you said, he was getting tagged a lot. And I was looking at his legs like, oh, man, I think Triple G is starting to look. He's 40 now, right? He's starting to kind of yeah. look it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a definitely uh, single to mile Canelo night. Yeah. Sounds, sounds like oh, a it's going to be a great time. Yeah, sounds like a uh, Cinco de Mayo beatdown that's coming up. <laughs> I, don't I, don't, I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll see because he. I mean, a pinata. That, that, that's the best way to put it. Pinata. What did you say? A pin. A pin. Oh, yeah, he's gonna pinata. You know what a pinata is, yeah, Kevin? Okay. It, it's when you beat something and like candy comes out. No, I, I, yeah, I know. If, if you're lucky, maybe some liquor. You know. You know, That'd pinata, be right? He's like, I'm gonna make candy come out of your pants or whatever. That'd be funny. <laughs> oh, I man. cannot appreciate you enough for your yeah. time. I know you having a busy day. Anything you want to shout out before we go? Like anybody you want to shout out or anything you want to shout out to the fans out there? I mean, I've had such dedicated followers. Um, I've gained so many more fans and followers throughout. Um, a big shout out to my haters. Big shout out to people who don't like doing what I'm doing because I don't wish bad on anybody. I don't, you know, I don't send hate out. I don't even like saying the word hate. Um, but if they ain't talking about you, you're doing something wrong. So I know I'll probably gain more haters. Big shout out to my trolls and all these conspiracy theorists about what the fuck I'm doing in my lane. Stay in yours. Get out of my lane. Big shout out to men, Rhode Island, all my natives, all my Cape Verdeans, everybody who just has a fucking dream. Like, go chase it. I'm living mine and... You know, we all hit those little places where we don't know where we're going in life. Trust me, I'm a work in progress, will always be. Um, just, you know, know that everything's temporary. Hence, just live your fucking life, man. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Happiness is temporary. Sadness is, this life is temporary. We got fucking aliens flying around. So if you don't live your life, life's too short for grudges, <laughs> hating on people. Just live your life, man, and just be happy. Yo, here's what's up. We were driving home from Mesquite uh, in Nevada. And I made a video of this, like a quick like little thing I put up on Instagram or whatever. And I and I was like, I told my wife, I'm like, I think there's aliens that are living in there and planning for an invasion. She's like, are you high right now? I'm like, no, it's early in the day. I would like to be high. And if I was high, it'd be even crazier of an epic conversation, you know? But I'm like, no, yeah, I just, I'm like, look at it. It looks like a pyramid, like in the Egyptian times and all that kind of stuff. Like I went to Chichen Itza, 
in uh, Mexico. And you know, I, I saw that shit. I'm like, human beings did not build this shit. So this is a topic of conversation, I think, for the next time. Because I could go on with this for hours. Like, I believe aliens exist and that they're coming. What What are your thoughts on that real quick? Oh, they're here. They ain't coming. They're here. They're just waiting. They're waiting to turn. I don't yes! think... If you think we're the only life form in the entire this entire universe, oh. then okay, you know what I mean. I could definitely go on for for um, a long time, but we're definitely not the only ones. I think they're already here. They're circling, just waiting. Um, so I, you know, I'm just gonna sit and wait. Take me back home, please. I'm not coming. <laughs> please take take me home. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a snorkel. I'm dying because when I pass by that thing in Mesquite, Nevada, guys, check it out. It's on the highway. You'll notice it when you see it. There's pyramids there. They're setting up their temple and they're ready to attack. I mean, I think they're just watching us like, what the fuck is wrong with the species? I think they haven't done anything. You know, when like you see something so bad, you're like, no, no, no. I want to wait and see what the fuck happens. I think that's what they're doing. Like, these things are fucking idiots. Like, let's just go off that against before we introduce ourselves. You know what I mean? I, I told you, you know, uh, Kevin, I think I told you this, and I told my wife this, is that I'm going to tell you all right now, I'm public speaking, I don't care, is that I told my wife, I'm like, they're just waiting and baiting the aliens because they're seeing us destruct ourselves, self-destruct and they're waiting for the right opportunity like you know what these motherfuckers right now are at their most vulnerable state of human condition you know let's get them alien evasion i wouldn't be surprised again i'm in the passenger seat of jesus Christ. <laughs> glasses on i don't even whatever you know I'm just gonna protect my dog and, and go into like my hiding bunker. Your dog's your dog's gonna protect you. No, your dog's gonna stop speaking. <laughs> Probably. And, and that's when you know it shit's just hit the fan. Your dog's gonna talk to you and he, your dog knows everything. Yeah. Animals than people. Where is your dog, by the way? I'll get her in a moment. Check this out. Let me see if I get this right. Me and technology, okay. This is the rabbit Monty Python. Oh my fucking god. <laughs> the rabbit kicks everyone's ass. It looks like a scene out of Kung Pao. Oh, it's terrible. It's so oh horribly shot. And, and Kevin is actually, um, you know, a cameraman. So I can only imagine how bad that looks to him. You know. My IQ like, just uh, <laughs> it, 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 It's crazy. This shit's hilarious. Well, you gotta, you gotta send message me the name of the movie again. Cause now, now I'm intrigued. Monty Python, the quest for the Holy Grail. The first time the rabbit strikes someone is the best one. 
it, it just jumps. It looks so fucking fake and terrible. And it reminds me of my dog, which in terms like she's ferocious. She's a little chihuahua. Let me get her real quick. Hold hold tight. She, try, she tries to be back. ferocious. I, I love chihuahua. She bites you every time you come over my house. I'll be right back. You get bit by the chihuahua? She attacks me every time I go by his Chihuahuas are fucking terrible, man. I'm telling you, they have the little dog syndrome. They're funny, though. I have, I have a pocket bully, but she's not with me because my husband's allergic to dogs, so. Yeah, you gotta, you, you gotta definitely see his, uh, his They're dog. so angry. The chihuahuas are just so angry and they're so yippy. All right. Oh. Here's oh, my yeah. beautiful oh, yeah. baby girl. She looks mad. She looks angry. And she looks vicious. Yeah, she was taking a nap. I was like, you gotta come on. You gotta do a podcast with daddy. Oh, she was like, she and she's like, all right. She's like, yeah, she's like, I've had it. She's like, I've had enough. Always. Chihuahuas are just so like little guy syndrome. <laughs> I want to speak that. <laughs> I want a I want a hairless cat. I'm gonna get one. Words, so John. Anything you want to add before we go? Um, you know what's funny is that I have paintings of her all over my house. I've had artists do cartoon characters of her. I'm obsessed with my dog. But no, in all seriousness, and uh, that is serious. And I'm so thankful for your time today. Yeah. Like you are one of the the most engaging personalities I've ever interviewed, been around. Uh, you're an inspiration. Boxing, acting. I know what that's like. I know all about what that's like. I don't want to make it about me, but the fact that you continuously do it, like from the jump, I was just so very like interested in your life. And I hope a lot of other people understand what it is that you're capable of doing and what you're doing and persevering as a proactive human being. Appreciate yeah. you, man. Yeah. Appreciate y'all time. Thank too. you so much. Appreciate you so much. It's been been great. And we we just we just wish you all the best because we know big big and better things are coming for you. And every it's gonna be like um an avalanche. I mean I'm I'm just I'm so excited to uh see uh, the movies that you've already done and I'm definitely excited to uh, see um, this show um, you know after you got I mean it's probably going to be what maybe six eight months before um, the true detective uh, uh, series comes out but I'm definitely looking forward to that and just seeing just seeing you in action um, outside of the ring in, in your other career that you're having so I wish you you know the most success with that and, and everything else and and obviously um you know, uh, your health issues, you know, we, we hope, uh, you know, that gets resolved, you know, as soon as possible. So, well, thank you guys so much to Butney, which means thank you. And uh, Wooni Nukon, which means good night, because I'm bringing my ass to bed. And, you know, I got y'all anytime I have the time. I love to chat with y'all. So anytime. Right. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, so much. thank you, guys. I'll see you soon. All right. Take care. All right. You too. See you soon. All right, John. So that was great, great show. Um, yeah, I mean, it's really nothing else to Hold really up, say. We're still, we're still uh, live here. We're still live yeah. here. Yeah. No, yeah. We, we did great, but you, you're still live here. Yeah, we're still live. So, um, yeah, um, great show. And um, 
That being said, another edition of uh, KO Nation podcast. Thank you so much, John. Thank you, uh, Kaylee Reese. Excellent show. <laughs> <laughs>